So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Hey guys, Greg Scheinman here. It is time for the Midlife Mail Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me this week and every week. I greatly appreciate it. If you enjoy what you hear, please give us that five-star review. Tell your friends, tell your family, help us keep the Midlife Mail movement growing. I am super excited today because I have Steve Babcock joining me. Um, Steve and I got to know each other briefly when we did a one for 10 Instagram TV live a couple of months ago for Inns Group, the firm that I work at and I'm a partner at. And we hit it off. And um, 10 minutes was certainly not long enough for the wealth of knowledge and experience and insight Steve has. So I invited him over to the Midlife Mail podcast so we can chat a little bit differently over here, subject matter, life, family, fitness, finance, and uh, super stoked for you guys to hear Steve's take on everything. Steve is the former chief creative officer at VaynerMedia, Gary Vaynerchuk's company, and he has gone out on his own and launched a new company called Made In-House, and he's going to tell you all about that as well. And to launch a company during a pandemic, leave a major brand and personality, what that does and how that affects your identity, vulnerability, confidence to get out there. Some really interesting stuff. And um, he's an open book, great guy, really enjoyed this. I know you will too. So let's get to it with Steve Babcock on the Midlife Mail podcast. Steve, thanks so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it, my friend. My pleasure. Well, the first time we chatted on Inns Group's One for Ten series, I did, I hope, preface this um, at at the time, said 10 minutes ain't going to be enough, man, for what you've got to offer. So I'd love to have you back. So I appreciate it. <laughs> no, no problem. I, I appreciate you having me. That's kind of the uh, the clickbait, I guess, right? We drag you in with one question for 10 minutes and then say, no, 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 no. We need a lot more from you. <laughs> well, we all got time right now. So so let yeah, let's let's talk about that since you you just hit the nail on on the head. What are you doing with all of this time? Take me through a little bit of your of your daily routine. Um, well, it I mean it depends a bit on the day. So I'm I'm grounded, obviously. I'm not flying anywhere, so I'm not um you know, typically I'm a consultant and I work with brands and help them build their their in-house creative teams. So that's stopped, uh, sort of pivoted. It's very difficult to do remotely. It's, it's more of an in-person thing. So I'm not doing that as much. So I'm, I'm home. Uh, we moved from, from the East coast back to our house in, uh, just North of Boulder, Colorado. And I have three kids ranges ranging from a junior in high school to a fifth grader. So we've got online school just started um, and there's a, you know, plethora of, of home improvement things. We had this house as a rental for about five years. So between all of that, and then also just picking up, um, whatever, you know, contract or, or creative freelance jobs that I can on the side to just kind of keep some income rolling in just that stuff all mashed into one thing sort of dictates the day. Um, and since school started, it's a lot of, and each one is in a different school, like an elementary, middle school, and high school, and their schedules are all different. So it is half the time I'm an IT person, 
like trying to help <laughs> them log on to something. And then, you know, I'm trying to make lunches because they have different lunch times and, uh, and then also trying to work and do other things. So it's really, um, there, no day is the same. You know, I think for me, I'm just like, well, how do I make sure every day is, you know, at the end of every day, I can, I can go, well, okay, you know, I accomplished or I was productive in a variety of ways. You know, was I productive in helping my kids? Was I productive in getting something that needed to be done around the house finished? Or was I productive in, uh, you know, networking or trying to find new clients or just something, right? You know, versus uh, just kind of like wasting the day, I guess. Yeah, it's it's a great point um, between kind of busy and and like being busy and being productive. You know, there's a big difference. Are you okay with also just kind of chilling out a little bit and saying like, okay, do I need to be, you know, busy and or productive, you know, all the time? Or do you look back on some of the busyness and I fall into this too? I'm like, fuck, like I was just busy, you know, like I just get myself busy, but it wasn't, I wouldn't exactly classify that as necessarily productive, you know, there, or it wouldn't be so bad to just take a little break right now and not beat yourself up over it. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm more than okay with it. Uh, But I find that I'm better at taking those moments after periods of productivity, you know, um, and, and I, I'm a firm believer in the balance of those things. I don't think, um, you know, staying in, in the high gear all the time, you know, where you may see some benefits, you're also going to, you know, there's going to be some detriment to that as well. So I'm, no, I'm, I'm all for it, especially if I can do something with the family and, um, you know, carve out a little time. I mean, it's been one of the, one of the positives, uh, of this whole situation of being home, you know, cause I, I used considerably, you know, I would travel considerably. And so to be home and just to be able to go, Hey, wait a minute, we got a two hour break right now for some reason, grab, let's grab the stand up paddle boards. Let's just go down the road to the lake, you know? And so it's just, I'm, I'm a big believer in that. And again, I think productivity isn't, I don't know, it's probably different for everybody, but for me, it's, I think mental health productivity is, is also part of it. You know, did I, uh, I, I guess it's at the end of the day, there's a feeling of what productivity was like. And, you know, some of, and sometimes that means like, oh, wow, I watched uh, a, a movie I've been wanting to watch, or I read this book, or I just took a nap, you know, like, yep. And I think that's okay. I mean, it certainly is for me. Yeah, I I agree with you there too. Now, also, especially with with the kids, you know, the quality time with the kids. But as as a guy who's been traveling and used to traveling for work a lot too, um, how is it, you know, and you you started this company, we'll get into in a little bit, I guess with the, with the auspice that you'd be traveling and seeing clients there too, you know, and everybody makes a plan and then shit happens, you know, (laughs) how is, how is it on the marital relationship, um, with you around, you know, all the time? I mean, like both parents are around all the time. We're dealing with this in my house too. Yeah. You know, I would always joke because, um, you know, when I, when I started made in house, I was literally gone for the first nine months almost completely, you know, I'd be coming home a little bit here and there, but it was, and I, and for me, it was really, well, for both of us, we were like, Hey, if we're going to try this thing, let's give it a year and really, really work to see if we can get this thing moving. And so it was an investment we were both willing to take, but I would always joke that like, I'm like, you're, you know, I'd say to my wife, I'm like, you're extremely happy. You have the perfect scenario where I'm not around, the bank account's full. <laughs> like, you're just like, this is perfect for you. Uh, and we, we would joke about it, but we definitely, um, now that it's back um, to to us being together all the time, I mean, we have a, we have a really good relationship. I, I, I don't think we're at each other's throats or anything yet. Um, and I think that's because she also has a lot of passions and things she's trying to do. She's in the physical fitness space. And so I've been kind of working with her a little bit, shooting content for her, helping her grow her following on social media and things like that. And so, um, 
yeah, I don't, I don't know. We're not at that point yet where we, you know, are tired of each other. Um, and, um, and I also think it's cause we're not all here all the time. She's, you know, when the weather's okay, because you know, she's a, so into sports and fitness and things like that. She's out riding her bike and I'm doing, so I, I don't know. Uh, I, I guess my answer is we're doing fine, but I, but I acknowledge that, um, well, and even with the kids, with the family, there is some value in, you know, when, when kids go to school and when I'm at work and whatever, there is some value uh, to some away time. And I think it makes the home, I mean, it makes the together time a little bit more special. That's maybe the only difference is we're trying to preserve um, some special time. You know, it's like, okay, wow, we've never eaten pretty much every meal together or always been in, you know, in the same place and et cetera. And so, we're trying to make sure that even though we're physically in the same building, there's times where we, we know that this is, this is a special bonding time. We're going to do something together in the house, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I don't know. We're pretty chill. So we're okay (laughs) so far. (laughs) Has there been a a takeaway for you or if you can think of maybe we, one learning lesson, you know, during this, we go, ah, I, that's, that's interesting to me. You know, that's, that's definitely different. And I can apply this, you know, now to, to life because things have, you know, they've really taken a 180, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, I've learned, you know, in marketing and in advertising, and it might be this way in, in all industries, but, you know, right now the advertising industry all working remotely there's a lot of, and there's a lot of business models, agency models that are, um, that are around a full remote work force, you know? So everybody's like, you don't need to be together. You can be remote and you can tap into talent that's all over the world, not just in the, in the expensive cities and things like that. And what I've learned is I don't like that as a, um, as, um, as a default, I guess. I, am somebody who really likes uh, a combination. Um, I, I, I wouldn't want to, I, I guess I came to a, a conclusion that I'm like, I don't want to exist in a world where everything is remote and I only interact with people through the screen. Like I have to have some of that um, human connection. And, and again, what I do, it is so much about like understanding how people work in an organization because not everybody's the same. And -and so-and-so might have a particular characteristic that makes everybody think this way and feel this way. And so I've got to work with that organization. But I, I, but I do think what is nice is that it has proven to us, we can do it. And, and so I look forward to a, a hybrid. I look forward to a world where it's like, Oh, we can come together when we need to be together, but we can also get stuff done if in a more inexpensive way, I mean, I couldn't tell you the number of times I hopped on an expensive plane and flew to an expensive place for a one hour meeting to just go back. And it was like, we don't need to do that. We can be smarter with how we conduct business, but I hope it doesn't completely, you know, get rid of the, the need to be together as people. Cause I think that's really important. And I don't. Re- I mean, maybe it's obvious, but I never really thought about it until this, where I'm like, I kind of crave seeing someone in person um, and 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 meeting in person from time to time. Yeah, I think it does. I think it's going to make us all wiser about how and when to do that. You know, as you said, that you know those face to face meetings and interactions that we crave and that we need for all aspects of business, I think we'll just be a little bit more selective and and with the timing, I think maybe of it all. Um, And I hope, and I I think we're seeing this in my business too, that there's a willingness now and an openness to get on those Zoom calls or those, you know, um, just those general conference calls, whatever it may be to kind of almost qualify and, and quantify that need for a face-to-face or that desire for the face-to-face. So we're weeding out a lot of maybe the unnecessary, if that uh, makes sense. It totally does. I mean, you know, there's so many jokes about like meeting, you know, there's the meme that's like that meeting could have been an email or that could have been this or whatever, but just figuring out how to be, I agree. And I also think, you know, in the, in the workplace, in advertising, 
you know, there's so much overhead and money that's spent in these big, amazing offices with these glamorous, you know, conference rooms and all of that. And, you know, what I'm really excited is to see, hopefully, um, people go, well, let's rethink what an office is. You know, if I'm in the business of content creation or, uh, you know, for clients, maybe the office space is more of a production studio first where we come together to make the product that we sell to our client but it's not necessarily a space that's built for us to sit and meet and sit you know in, in our little workstations that those can be at home and but so i think that's going to be i i predict that'll be a change that a lot of advertising agencies will will try to make is like when we're when we when we're together it's our best use of time is, you know, to make stuff, to make content versus just to be, you know, in an office sitting next to somebody just because that's where I'm supposed to be. Yep. If, if I could kind of back up a little bit, we jumped right in to, to a couple of things, which are great, but if I could back up for a, a little bit and talk about just kind of your creativity and kind of your upbringing in terms of were you always creative? Did you always gravitate towards the creative and kind of know this was an area or space that you wanted to get into or how did take me through your path a little bit? Okay. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, well, first of all, I never really knew or considered advertising as a career. So I, I was born in a and raised for 19 years in a very small town in southern Idaho. Um, if you've ever seen Napoleon Dynamite, that is that is that is that is very accurate to because uh, that's about another small town in Idaho just up the road. And um, and so, yeah, literally one stoplight, all the cliches you could think of. Very very small. And but I was but I was the youngest of five kids, so three older brothers a sister and then myself and, mm-hmm. and, and, and we, and we were, we were a very creative family in various ways our, our, our father was a surgeon, the, the like only surgeon in the area. So he was doc, uh, pretty much anybody we would walk, you know, in the grocery store and Hey doc. And Oh, how's, how's your spleen or how's the, you know, it's just super small town. <laughs> like he'd, he'd done surgeries on everybody. I remember people coming over for house calls. It's, you know, that world. And, uh, for whatever reason, yeah, there was creativity in in art, uh, in music, um, and 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 just sort of this like maker mentality. I remember my older brothers would make you know on Super Eight film, they would make video like funny movies and music videos, and even did like stop motion like Clay, Mister Bill type world. Uh, and so I I grew up watching this happening um, from from my brothers, and 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 then there was a whole lot of like sort of counterculture sport like BMX and skateboarding and we built a huge half pipe in our backyard all this stuff kind of going on very different it wasn't uh uh so I, I grew up and I wasn't your typical you know I don't even remember the last like organized sport that I played I was also not very good at it but like so I was more like skateboarding and music and I was in a band and doing art and and my idea was my little dream was like I'm going to become a movie director like, you know, like Steven Spielberg or whatever. And, um, and I would make, mo- we would make little movies just like my older brothers did with my, my friends. And we actually, we would just, I mean, they were horrible. I don't even, you know, like, you know, shoot them up Westerns or whatever, or we would remake like kids books in the, in these movies. And I learned to edit as a very young kid with like an old editing system where it's like two VCRs and like, a, a, like, a really complicated, super expensive computer program that now exists on an app on a phone. But back then, you know, so I was, I was really into video and editing and movies and blah, blah, blah. And so that was that, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go into film and, and I'll be the next Steven Spielberg. And so when I went to school, I went to the university of Utah in Salt Lake city. So kind of the closest place. And, and the truth of the matter is I was a pretty avid snowboarder. So I was like, you know what, I'm just going to snowboard there and I'll, that's a good place to go and I'll go to school. And while I was there, uh, you know, trying to get into the film department, 
I got a job uh, through a friend of a friend at an advertising agency, just as a ma- as working in the mail room. Kind of, it was called the runner. So I did all the r- errands and sorted everyone's mail and made sure the copy machines were stocked and all of that. And that was my first. It was this, it was a big agency in in town. And and you know this is this is early. It was late '90s, early 2000s. You know, funky walls, and and I was just like people dressed weird and mohawks, and I was like, this is a job. Like, what is this cool thing? And I kind of you know the more I was there, I got really interested in it. I'm like, well, they kind of make little movies. You know, they make advertisements. They make television commercials, or they do this and art. And I just I really got interested in it, and so. You know, long story short, there was a scholarship contest that the agency put on that I was able to win. And then they gave me a job as a writer. And my, my, so that just sort of accidentally took my career into this, into this space, which I've uh, obviously have never left. But it, it, during that time, I've always uh, continued with music. Um, I was, I've been in bands for m- many, many years, not anymore, but, uh, you know, so playing in music, advertising, um, it's just, just whatever, uh, creative, you know, cr- however I can be creative. It's just something I've always, yeah. So I've always been it, but I didn't know that advertising, I didn't try to go into advertising, but mm-hmm. it sort of found me. So first I got to ask you, what, what do you play? Like what's, what's your, are you a vocalist an instrument? Like what's your deal? I am not a vocalist. Uh, I, I play the bass. Um, I kind of can play a little bit of everything. I mean, right now I'm, I'm I spend most of my time on the drums, but in the band, I played the bass guitar. Okay. Got it. What kind of music? Uh, it was very, well, this, there was one band we were called the Hudson river school that was, uh, fairly, fairly successful. Um, we put out a single on, on Sony and, and, and there's a whole book that I need to write about the, the love life of music and the music industry and the rise and the fall of the band. But, um, it was it was just kind of like commercial pop rock. Um, if you think of bands like the Foo Fighters or Jimmy Eat World, they're just kind of what you would get on sort of a popular alternative, you know, radio. You just kind of just catchy pop rock, really. Yeah, I, I love it. So, you know, I'm a guitar player myself. Not a not a good one, um, <laughs> but you know, we've got a band. Uh, that got back together, you know, four or five years ago with a bunch of, you know, our, the OBGYN is our keyboard player. The home builder is the drummer. You know? <laughs> the CFO, you know, is the lead guitar player, you know, a bunch of guys in their, you know, in their forties. And, you know, we try to stay relevant, just, just have a blast doing it. I'm actually recording this in my music room right now, you know, in my, in my house. I just love guys that will pick up an instrument and go play stuff. And, you know, Foo Fighters, Jimmy World, the bands that you mentioned, like we, we just made a vow, like, Hey, we're not going to play anything that makes us feel old. You know, <laughs> like we, wanna, we already know we're old, you know, but like, we don't need, we don't need to do, you know, the five or 10 cover songs that you hear from every other band out there. That was kind of our vow. If we're going to do this, can we try to stay somewhat young and relevant, at least with our musical taste? Yeah. I mean, one of my challenges, cause everyone's like, you know, I mean, all my gear, all my, I've never sold any of my like touring gear. So I've got just, you know, the big fridge Ampeg and a road case down in our basement and every, you know, I just, and I haven't really touched it in a long time. It's sitting down there. And, you know, my, my wife will always ask like, you know, she's always, you know, really wanting me to have more hobbies and things. And she's like, why don't you, why don't you put a band together? And, and I, I've, and I, I, I've resisted um, largely because I don't believe I know how to just jam. Like I, the, you know, cause in, in a working band with like putting out records and original music and touring, like that's where it all for me was. And so I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I can just like leisurely play music as like in a band as a hobby. Although I probably should, I probably would be fun, but I think in my mind I would immediately be like, okay, let's, let's get a record. Let's put it out. Let's go on tour. Like I want to be in the dream again. So I've just sort of like, you know what? I'll just, I just, I've like this really, you know, simple little Roland, uh, elect V drums downstairs where I can put my headphones on. I can find a million like drumless tracks on YouTube and I just sit down there and I put it on the arena rock setting. So it sounds extra big. And that, that to me is just kind of my place. I go down there and kind of, that's my therapy, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I've, I for some reason have just not 
pursued the idea of like jamming because I don't know if I maybe I have a lot of like scars from the music industry of like up and down that I'm like, eh, it's a wound that I'm not willing to open. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I guess everybody gets, you know, they get out of something, you know, what they put in or, or what they want to, you know? Yeah. You know, I felt with, with getting back into it a little bit, like, wow, I've got the greatest job in the world. I can play rhythm guitar around a bunch of really good musicians. You know? <laughs> so this is so much, this is so much fun that they kind of let me kind of jam out, you know, behind them, you know, and just play under these, under these great guys. And then, but I never really kept a lot of gear around um, because we would just you know, go and practice every once in a while and it was a fun thing to do. And then I'd come home, you know, I'd you know, keep one or two guitars around. But since this whole kind of quarantine lockdown thing is, has happened, you know, you mentioned earlier on, we've pretty much done every home renovation project we can now. Uh, and one of them allowed me to actually find a little home for some of my amps and a few of my guitars. And we're still debating about how many can be in said room, you know, this <laughs> um, but it's just been kind of a lot of fun to, you know, take that hour, you know, or two and just plug in, even put the headphones on and say, I'm not going to blow everybody out of the house right now, but okay, I got a little time to do this. And then that feels kind of good. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, what I secretly wanted to do, and unfortunately none of my three offspring uh, yet, but again, one's a junior in high school and the other's eighth grade and maybe my youngest and fifth. My goal was always like, I'm just going to build a band with my family. Like I'll play bass and uh, my daughter was going to play drums and, and he'll, you know, and just nobody, it just didn't take, you know, I even was like, got both. I got my daughter and my middle son. I was like, let's do some drum lessons just to see if they would like them. And I just, at the moment, and I, I didn't, you know, I didn't really pick up music until I was a freshman in high school. So I keep thinking like stuff can happen and I don't want to push them. But that was always my dream was like, let's just like, if I did want to rock with anybody in just in the basement and not worry about it, it would be with, I was like, man, I want to put this family band together. But so it's a far, good dream. I have the so, same dream. It's not happening in my house either. So, so far, the band is still a solo act. Uh, but I'm hoping to to add members soon. Yeah, I've got a 14-year-old and a, and a 17-year-old. And I was thinking also at some point, maybe, you know, if they saw my guitars, they might be inspired to pick them up, you know, once, you know, or, try, or any other instrument you want to play around. But um, but that dream has not uh, has not come to fruition in my family either <laughs> right now. <laughs> I'm waiting. I'm waiting patiently. Yes. So, hey, I want to ask you, um, you you had a really big title at a really big company, you know, Vayner, Vayner Media. I mean, at this point, I don't, you probably have fewer people that haven't heard of Gary V, you know, than, than Hat, you know, in there. A really big company. And you were the chief creative officer there. One, take me through kind of how you got to, to Vayner and got into that position. Um, and let's just talk a little bit about that experience at like a really high profile entity. And maybe it wasn't as much at the time when you first got there and to, as you watched it evolve, but I'm just really fascinated by, by that chapter of your life. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I've been working in advertising on the creative side ever since I, that little mailroom job, I just kept that was my thing, you know, and once the band sort of became a non-reality to me, I really buckled down and was like, this is my career. And um, I moved from Utah, from that area to where I actually am now, into Boulder, Colorado. There was an agency that had relocated here from Miami called Crispin Porter Bogusky. And at the time, um, it was it was it was just sort of like the major leagues. It was this agency I always wanted to get into um, just one of the more popular, most successful agencies at the time. And, and I got in and, uh, and, and I spent the majority of my career here. I was here in Colorado for about 10 years. And, um, and so I worked there and that was really an agency that again, while I was there, it was just, it was an amazing place to have on your resume. And I was able to produce some of the best work that I've ever produced and just, and grow. And it was, it was a really, really awesome opportunity for me. And so out of that, once, 
I had actually left uh, after quite a few years. I left uh, Crispin to to try my hand at kind of starting a little agency in Boulder, but it, with the help of some guys out of San Francisco. So they had an agency and they wanted to expand, and so I I did that for about three years, which was was really really fun to to get that experience with some training wheels, you know, it was like startup, but it was also, well, it was an established agency. And so that was really fun. And then, um, I did, I just got a phone call from a recruiter, which, you know, that's, that's kind of what they do. And he said, Hey, I'm looking to fill a position in a CCO position in New York. And I just said, I'll stop you right there. Like, I'm just, I have no interest in New York. Uh, my family's happy here i'm kind of doing my thing got it he's like well just hear me out this is this is for vayner media and i said i'll stop you right there never heard of it like sounds like a thing i'm not interested in i don't know vayner what's vayner media and he's like this guy gary vaynerchuk of course i hadn't heard of him and he's you know just went off he's like he's this he's this really eccentric guy he's grown his wine business from this to the boom 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 and i just said i it sounds great you know but i i'm i'm just i'm not the guy i'm happy to give you some referrals, especially people I know out, out in New York already. And, uh, and I, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe like they had no other candidates, but this guy would not, he just would not let me go. Uh, he was a pretty relentless guy. He's like, just meet, just meet Gary, just meet him. And I was like, well, I just, you know, no, no, no. And eventually I agreed uh, a little bit of like, I'll meet him, but then, I, you know, we got to be like, and I'm, if you'll leave me alone. And so I agreed to meet him in to meet Gary in in uh, Las Vegas, uh, which that was part of the reason I'm like oh, that's a quick flight for me. It's literally like an hour from Denver. I can just boom boom get back, same like a day trip. And uh, and then that night I remember I'm like, well, let me look this guy up. And so I hadn't even looked him up, and 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 I served a video um, of of him at the, at the the construction site which is now the Hudson Yards location of VaynerMedia and he just had a hard hat on anyway i just i was just kind of you know gary fashion just kind of yelling at the camera and he's the best at this and the best you know just and i was like i agreed to meet this guy like i was very very opposite to my personality and i was like i'm going to i'm going to hate this guy and and i was like oh man so whatever i too late to cancel. So I flew out and we met and, uh, which is for, you know, 40, 45 minutes, but, um, it was a great conversation. And, uh, you know, and I, I, I don't know, it just was an interesting click that I didn't expect where I was like, wow, oh, I kind of really like this guy. And I think he liked kind of what I had to say. And anyway, uh, we just kept talking for, for a few months. Um, it took me, it took me about seven months to finally agree to go, okay, I'm going to move to New York. I'm going to kind of stop this thing I'm doing here. I'm going to go to New York. And, um, and so I did, I, I, uh, like first of the year of 2016, I just sort of put everything I had in a bag. I kept my family here. Cause it was like, you know, we wouldn't move until school was out anyway. So that was part of my thinking was like, well, five months, let's go see this. And if it's horrible, like, well, it's not, I'll just bounce, you know, what are you going to do? And, um, and so I flew out and a couple things happened. One, uh, you know, I literally just found this little apartment. All of a sudden little Idaho kid was in this big city and, um, I just fell in love with the city. I was like, this is the, this is amazing. I love it. I loved everything about it. And, um, and, and the agency was nothing that I'd ever experienced. It just was, you know, it was in its infancy. It wasn't organized correctly. It was wild, wild west. But I was like, man, I like this challenge. Like I can fix this or I can make this something, you know, right now it's not known for its creative product and, and, and I can, I can do that. So I got really excited about the challenge uh, of that and, um, and did. Yeah. So eventually moved the family out. We settled in New Jersey and that was, I think my, I always joke, my wife kind of always had the car half packed, uh, to move back to our house in Colorado. She, she, she didn't love it. She grew to, to appreciate it. She didn't love it at all ever the whole time. Um, a lot of people would pick Boulder, Colorado over New Jersey, I think. Um, and, uh, and but I, I loved it. And, um, and so, yeah, so it was this, 
I remember I was with Gary at dinner when he got his millionth Instagram follower, you know, so he was, he was definitely popular, but then even in that, you know, four, uh, four years that I worked with him, like he just, he got, he just went through the stratosphere, you know, all of a sudden I'd come into work and he's like, I have a shoe and now I have a cereal. Now I'm doing this and I'm opening this company and starting this company. And, um, you know, he, Gary V his brand and everything he does, it's obviously under the same company, but it is different than Vayner media. Like that was a marketing company that we, so, um, I didn't make any of the Gary content and that was a little bit of a separate world, but I was, um, Un, you know, I was familiar with, but I focused my time there mainly on like the the work we did for for Budweiser and J.P. Morgan Chase and Kraft Heinz. That was kind of more my thing. And a lot of people, uh, I would encounter this a lot. They would be like, "Oh, Gary V and VaynerMedia, they're synonymous. They they were quite different." Um, and so, but yeah, I would you know, anytime we'd go out to dinner or go on a trip, it was just like, yeah, we're gonna stop and get selfies and sign autographs and do it. you know, it's like he's a celebrity. Um, so it was it was really interesting. It was it was emotionally exhausting at times for for my personality. It was like, uh, you know, like the the feeling of like you need to be an influencer and you need to be doing this and posting this and doing this and hustle, hustle, hustle. And sometimes I'm like, I just no, I just want to watch a Netflix series with my wife. Like, that's <laughs> what I want to do tonight. Like, I don't need to have five side hustles. So it was, it was, it was good. But at the end of the day, I realized my personal gospel wasn't exactly the same, you know? And so. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting point. And I want to talk a little bit about identity because now you're just touching it kind of your, your personal feelings, the way you know, you act the way you want to conduct business and what's important, you know, to you, but you spend this time with, you know, that type of an organization, that big personality, you, you, you use the word synonymous, you know, even though they, they were different Vayner media versus, versus Gary V, you know, how, do, how does it affect your identity? You know, I've, I've worked for some big personalities also and around them, you know, I had the, the Michael Eisner experience. I even had the Harvey Weinstein experience. You talked about uh, Chrisman and Are you familiar with with Bob Giraldi at all from the ad world? Giraldi uh, Suarez. I, I'm familiar with the name. Yeah. Yeah. So I produced for Bob. You know, back back in the day too. Like these big personalities. You know, um, and ultimately, in a way, realizing a lot of that stuff wasn't for me, but. And also was trying like I felt like my identity was wrapped up in other people, you know, in a way. Like when did you feel that or when you decided to kind of go out on your own, was there that I'm no longer like the Vayner Gary guy? Like, how do I stand on my own or how do people perceive me? Is that Yeah. No, it's it's great. I mean, I think, you know, there was um, and I don't know if other folks feel this way and I don't know if it's necessarily a, a bad thing, you know I mean? Um, but I, you know, it was very funny. Like I, I remember my Instagram account, you know, grew from like 1000 to, to 12,000 literally just because, you know, I, people who followed Gary were like, Oh, you know, I was in Gary's like his daily V videos and stuff. They'd be like, you know, Hey, follow Steve and everyone would follow me. And all of a sudden I grew all these, these followers, but you know, and, and so there became kind of this like pressure for me, like, well, now I have to, what I have followers, but I didn't, <laughs> you know what I mean? There was this confusion. To have that, followers, maybe that you have to be a leader, right? You well, got to well, do something. Well, the, the, but I'm like, you're, you're, but you're, but I'm like, you follow Gary. Um, and because I work with Gary, you kind of assume I'm just like him, you know? And I remember I got like these DMS, like from people that were just like, you know, bring the fire. And I'm like, dude, you don't even, I'm not going to bring any fire. Like that's <laughs> my fire is very different and et cetera. So, um, you know, I, uh, and I remember, you know, uh, so yes, I absolutely. And, and I think, it's probably really hard not to when you're around someone uh, like him and who's as popular and, and, and successful as he is and as big of a personality, you, um, you start to not exist. Cause every conversation is like, Oh, you, Oh, Gary, you work with Gary, 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 Gary. And at some point you're just like, 
I do I exist as me? Um, and and can I exist? And and it didn't. It was. I would never say it was like a thing that that um, was really negative. But I did get to the point where, like I said, it was it was emotionally a bit exhausting. Where I was like, wait a minute, like who am I, and what am I gonna be? And I'm not going to be like I'm not going to like spend the rest of my life just building somebody else's empire. And and it it did. It got to the point where it was just like I felt a little lost. And so when I was like, all right, I'm gonna. I'm going to start this, my own thing. Um, a, I was only able to do that because of a lot of the, ex- of, of the experience I had working with Gary and, and his name and working at Vayner was very helpful to get me started. And he was very helpful to get me started. So like, I recognize that, but I, 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 you know, I remember I would, you know, I would do a lot of podcasts when I was at VaynerMedia and even shortly after and every podcast was should have just been titled, "What was it like to work for Gary V?" And, <laughs> uh, and and I remember I was like, it wasn't until like six months after I left VaynerMedia. I remember I had one podcast, and it was like, "Whoa, you didn't ask me about Gary V." It was the first one where it was like, I don't even think the guy knew him, and I was like, "You literally had a po- you just had me on your podcast." because you were interested in what I had to say. And, and it was a, it was a small little moment, but it was like, that's important for me. And, um, and so, yeah, like, but even those first few months outside of Vayner, like it was hard because I didn't realize how much I had associated my identity because I worked there and with him. And that was attractive because so many people were attracted to it. And it's hard to be authentic, even if that's not, you know, popular and super sexy and glamorous, because we all want to feel important. We all want, and that's what that made me feel like. It made me feel important because I was uh, in close proximity with somebody that so many people would just die to meet. (laughs) And I'm like, well, I can just text him. It's not that big of a deal. And, and, and maybe because I joined and didn't know who he was. So I wasn't a fanboy coming into the organization, you know, but um, yeah, it was, it was, it, it was, it was fun. And, 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 uh, I don't know what the word is, but to be able to be like, you work with Gary V like, that's amazing. But, um, but then, yeah, there's also a negative to that. Cause it's like, well, who, who am I? Like, you yeah, know, I, I want to completely, I got to be happy with just being who I am. I can't, my happiness can't be based on the fact that I'm my wagon is hitched up to somebody else. Yep. Com- completely get it. Um, and really, really well stated there. So, you know, let's you know, navigate from that situation, you know, too. Um, and, and I get fascinated now by, by how people do things and make this decisions. I think there's, there's a lot of talk about the why, you know, the why we do things or, or why I want to go down this path or find your why. And, and I get the why, you know, like what's, what's really fascinating to me is the how, like once you know your why, or you say, I want to start made in house and I'm going to do this, that how you navigate saying i'm i'm leaving i'm going to make this decision the steps that we take you know at home maybe financially within my relationship geography you move back to colorado talk to me a little bit about the how you know when you said okay i'm not going to spend the rest of my my life with my wagon hitched to somebody else here are the steps i'm going to take to now set up my own project my own agency go my own identity yeah, and I may not be a good example because my whole thing was just sort of fell into my lap. Uh, you know, so you, you always read these like, you know, really inspiring stories of people who took this leap. Um, but I had really- you know, but That's real too. I mean, people want to listen. Okay, here's, here's how it fell into Steve's lap. Go. You know? <laughs> there you go. Yeah, there you go. Um, but, but, you know, I mean, I, I'd obviously been, you know, having uh, certain, certain feelings and, and, and things about, about, that situation. And specifically though, when it comes to marketing though, I, I really had become 
really focused and almost obsessed in this in this particular way to market. I call it branded programming, but it's you know treating your brand like a media network and like a television network does. They make just constantly they're piloting ideas and then they're only doubling down or investing in the in the shows that people like. That's a really difficult thing to do, I learned, as an agency because you can't make a lot of money as an agency by making a lot of content, you know, pilot-type content for real cheap. That's not business. Agencies make money by saying, here, hire us. We're going to make a very expensive production because we get the markup on that. And I got really sort of, not frustrated, but this dichotomy of like, ah, I believe so much that this is the right answer for clients, yet I'm unable to provide that within this agency classic agency business model and i and i in my mind i was like there's also this trend moving to in-house and a lot of talent going in-house a lot of clients pulling their dollars into their own departments and i'm like well but i bet it would work there because they're not driven by uh you know cost markup or trying to hit a margin they're just salaried employees i bet if i went there i could teach them how to do it and and internal agencies could function as their own sort of internal Netflixes, so to speak. They could make their content in this particular way that I've been trying to do at advertising agencies. So that was super on my mind as well. And I was trying to figure out where can I do that. And I and I got a call uh, from, from a guy who had just been put in charge of marketing at a large brand. And he wanted to know if I could like moonlight or kind of freelance or help on the side. And I said, well, if you guarantee, you know, like a six month contract, I'll just, I'll, I'm going to, I'll do it. You know, I'm going to start this little company. I'll come out and go. And, um, and he did. So financially there wasn't a huge leap of faith. In fact, it was, it was better financially for me to do this from a relationship standpoint. I knew we weren't, I had overstayed my welcome on the East coast. According to my wife, a little, we kind of said, Hey, we'll do, we'll do two years or so. And we were now coming around to four and a half. Um, so, uh, uh, you know, so like there was definitely, okay, I'm not, there's nothing really holding me here so I can take it. Now, after six months, do I know what I'm going to do? Well, in my mind, I'm like, well, that's enough time for me to, to get this to go. You know, I've got steady income coming until then. And let me go figure this out. And, uh, and I told him that I said, look, if I'm willing to do this, if you're willing to accept the fact that I'm going to use you as my my chance to figure out my program and how I do this. And it was just a perfect scenario, perfect situation um, where I was, was able to kind of build my curriculum, learn what worked, what didn't work, and, um, and kind of go out and do that. Now, what, it was still scary, super scary. I had never in 42 years had I, or well, after, once I started to have jobs, I had never not had a W-2. Like, wait, how do I get health insurance? I guess we got to pay for this. Like I, I was old enough that I should have known better, but I didn't. So all of that was still like un, uncertain and unfamiliar. And I never, even to this day, when someone's like, oh, you're an entrepreneur. I'm like, I don't feel like I am, even though I'm technically doing my own thing. Um, so, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. It wasn't like a big thing that I'd been scheming or planning. It just kind of stars aligned. And I said, well, I really have nothing to lose. And I'll probably be really upset at myself if I don't just try this. And so I just tried it, you know, and then, uh, and it opened up a whole part of me that's like, whoa, all the stuff in life that you've, you know, never just tried because you were too scared or uncomfortable. It's allowed me to be more in a, in a state now where I'm very uncomfortable, as is a lot of the world, and I, I'm looking to be open in a variety of ways should I need to pivot. And it's been very helpful. This last year has been very helpful for me to go, ah, oh, there isn't one way to do things. You don't have to have a job at a, you don't have to work for somebody else. You can, you can make this work. Yeah. And I just had never, my whole career, I was always like, no, I've got to work at a place. I just need that, that assurance and that safety and that organization. And all of a sudden just be like no it's just you and a backpack on a plane flying into a brand and pretending like you know what you're doing uh and just keep doing that over and over and over <laughs> all right do you have any particular rituals ticks hang-ups any as it pertains to 
to to co- dealing with confidence, you know, and and security or or insecurity and anxiety that comes along with being an entrepreneur if you've come to the realization that you actually are one, you know, because you know, it's a very different world out there as an entrepreneur, obviously, as you know, from you know the the having a job, you know, world. Yeah, I'm. I I still reject the notion. I mean, I'm not. I'm an entrepreneur in ideas. I have a lot of ideas. Uh, my brain doesn't stop. I have a little notebook full of. Um, my wife always laughs because she reads it, but this just every page is like, here's a new business idea, here's a product idea, here's a platform idea. I have a million of them, and I guarantee two of them out of the million in there are winners. Uh, but the thing that separates me from people who I would say are real entrepreneurs are the ones that are like. They, they go, they just, they don't have the fear and they just go make stuff happen. Um, and that's something I've learned with me. And, you know, where, where I go from here is, you know, if I'm going to continue or, or sort of evolve made in house into something, it's going to mean me partnered with the operator. I've learned like, I have to have that partnership because I don't have that. I have the vision, I have the ideas. And then there's that person that's like, well, here's how we go put the, make those real and go do that. And, and I've had instances in my advertising career where I've kind of been partnered with those types of people and, we're, and I'm unstoppable, but it's, I've come to learn, especially in this last year, it's like, I, I don't have that and that's okay. Um, and so to offset that, I need to find sort of my, my counterpart um, because, because I'd still, and in terms of, I'm the most anxious person in the world. I'm super stressed all the time. Uh, you know, like scared to death um, that stuff won't work out, uh, you know, I, totally. And, um, and constantly, even, even today, you know, when I'll get a call from an ad agency looking to fill a CCO position, you know, I mean, I'll take the call and I'll, I'll be attracted to that comfort. Oh yeah. Okay, cool. And go there. I know how to do that job. I don't have to worry that. Um, but I've yet to do that. Because there's still now where I am in my life, there's a part of me that's like, well, unless I can do this philosophy that I believe in there, I'm just going to step back. Uh, yeah, it might be safe. There's a paycheck, but I, I feel like I will have sort of given up on this thing that I believe in. I don't know how the thing I believe in manifests itself and I'm okay with it being, I don't have to own the company. I don't have to do, you know, I don't care. I just want to be doing the thing I believe in. Um, and so that's where I am right, right now, but I don't know. I mean, maybe entrepreneurs are really good at being uncomfortable and this and that I'm, I'm horrible at it. I just fake it. Like, you know, (laughs) you do, you just, I've, I've come to realize in life, like in my career, the only way I grew in my career was sort of by accidentally getting put in scenarios or positions that were just above where I should be. And, um, and yeah, that didn't mean, you know, even even at, at Vayner being the CCO of this of this the first CCO of this big New York agency. You know, there probably wasn't a day where I wasn't on the New Jersey Transit riding home, just being like, "What am I doing? Like, I have no business uh, doing this." And uh, I don't know what it's like to be. So I think yeah, it's it, there's confidence in insecurity. Oddly enough, I, I I'm confident. Like, I'm not, you know, like, I, I believe, like, I can do it, and I believe in myself, but it's, but you're all, but it's hard. Like, I can say that, but then there's also part of me that's just like, you have no business doing what you're doing, but I'm doing it, you know? I don't know. I think it's, yeah, I think it's beautifully transparent, you know, there too. And I think that there's this misconception or, or misperception at times that, people in these positions, these C-level positions, or that go out and form their own entities have these superpowers, you know, or the super confidence that's there. Um, and that's really not often the case too. Um, and taking ideas through to execution and the anxieties and stresses and you know, deflating days um, are many, you know, during, during that process. I think when it, it's, it's great when people actually are able to just come out and say that, you know, that this is not easy because there's a lot of messaging out there. And I want your take on this too, especially since you just did it. A lot of messaging of, 
if you're not happy, you know, quit your job, you know, or follow your passion, you know, and go on and do this. And it's kind of like, I don't know if that's really for everybody, <laughs> you know, if that's really the, the right answer um, for everybody and how people make that decision. It sounds great as an influencer. It sounds great in theory um, to, you know, be happy and follow all your passions. But we, we talked a lot also about hobbies in this episode. And it's kind of like, I've struggled with this too. Not every one of my hobbies has to become a business. Like my business should fund my hobbies, you know, sometimes instead I'd love your, love your take on it because you did leave that comfort too. And you've got your own thing going and you're successful at both on, on both sides. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, it's a good, it's a good, I've always struggled a bit with this, like, this idea of that there's really only one route of success and that, and, and again, I, you know, the, the, the Gary V and the hustle culture, I, I understand it. My hustle was just for a very different reason. Like, and that was the thing. Everyone's sort of like, I hustle because I want to become rich and powerful and famous. And um, mine is a little bit simpler. It's like, I just want to provide for my family. I would like my family to be comfortable. So money is a thing. You know, they say money can't buy happiness, but it's like, it takes a lot of stress out of the equation. If you were like, okay. Yeah, I've always said if you're a happy person, yeah, money's going to make you a genuinely happy person. Money provides a lot of outlets for you to be really happy and do a lot of great things. If you're yeah. absolutely unhappy, manically depressive, you can be extremely wealthy and miserable, you know, but money's important. And I think for me, there's just sort of the like, there's a level where money can kind of take a lot of the stresses out. That's just for me. Like, I don't, I really... Yeah, I guess it would be awesome to be super, super wealthy and all that. It's just for me, it's like, I just want to provide. I want to, I always say with money, I want to be able to be comfortable and charitable. So I want to have enough money to where my family uh, doesn't have to worry be, and is able to experience some of the things they need to experience and they're taken care of and that we can be charitable. Uh, that's really, that's it. Um, and, and that, but that's huge, you know, like as the provider of a family, it's like, my, okay, I, I have to provide. And, um, you know, fortunately, moving back to Colorado was really good for us because East Coast is very, very expensive. But um, so that's number one is just like, how am I going to make money? How am I going to provide? That's the number one thing. So when someone says like, oh, just, you know, if you're in a situation and I guess fortunately, I've never been in a job. I mean, maybe a long time ago before I got into advertising, there were jobs that I didn't like. But I've been very fortunate that I've always um it's a career and an industry that I enjoy to use my creativity. So I've never had, I've just never been miserable. Um, uh, so I've been happy in advertising and, um, but yeah, I don't, I, at the end of the day, it's like, I mean, Gary, you know, would always preach this too. And a lot of people do, it's like, you know, don't be in a job. If it, and I would always be like, it's easy for you when you have the bank account that you have, but for somebody who is, doesn't have that and is paycheck to paycheck and is miserable in their job, that's, it's, that's difficult to hear um, versus more, a more of a like, hey, man, I understand. Like, you must be feeling really stuck because you want this, you want that. You know, like, there's just, that's just empathy. Someone who is like, understands what it's going through. And you do, you dream of that wanting to get out of that and to go do that. But I, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's, it's, I don't really know if it's good or it's bad. I mean, I guess it's inspirational to read the stories of the people who just like, I sold everything and took off and did this. And I just feel like, I think, I guess I would say this, and it's a, it's a classic Pinterest quote that I believe in. Uh, I don't even know who said it, but that I believe in more than anything. And it's comparison is the thief of joy. And I think that's kind of the number one thing is like, everybody's got something to say and I think it's good and you should, you should, you should listen to it and, and intake it. But where, where you're going to go wrong is when you start to compare. So when I go, wow, I wish, you know, why, why can't I do that? Or why don't I have that situation? Or yeah, he said to do this, I should do this. Cause I'm like him. That's, I think the key for all of us is to just figure out how to be, um, satisfied and happy with who we are and to be grateful even in you know even in poorer circumstances that's really the and it's hard 
because everybody around you is more successful. Everyone's happier. Everyone's in a better relationship. Everyone has been, or that's what you think. But the reality is like, you know, I think you can get really buried emotionally if that's, if you're just constantly comparing yourself to other people and it's natural. Everyone does it. I do it. But I find that it's something that I work on to be like, be very mindful that I'm doing it to be able to say, don't do that. Don't do that. You, this is yeah, it's, who you it's are. Very, it's very aware, um, you know, to, to see that and realize that. And then you also, you know, mentioned something that I think happens as well. You know, you get recruited still, you know, you get people calling and offering you safety money, new opportunities, again, because you're in demand or you've, you've gotten to a place in your life or your career where people want you. And then it becomes, I'm sure, tempting too, because, oh, okay, wow, it feels good, you know, to be wanted. Wow, this person called me and they want me to take this job or this client called me and they want me to take on their business. And, and it, it's almost easy to, it can be easy to say yes, you know, and fall right back into that cozy, you know, like, hey, they appreciate me, they like me, and they're going to pay me. And they can do, and it takes so much of the risk away, you know, there. Um, I just find that to be an interesting dichotomy, you know, too. And I think the ages and stages of our lives that these things come up um, and the conversations of, or the thoughts of, okay, am I, Am I settling because of where I am or should I still take that risk? Or is the warm and fuzzy, you know, offer better than me staying the path and doing, you know, doing my own thing, you know, or being more selective about my clients or, or whatnot. I just find that. Yeah. Well, I I also think, I also think what's, at least for me, what's interesting is this now in my life, the decision, like my personal preferences is like a small part percentage of the decision. You know, now it's like, wait a minute, I, I have my children. I don't want to move them, you know, necessarily, or I don't want this, or I don't want that. Like previous, you know, when my kids were very young, growing up, it was, it was like, we'll follow my career. Where's, where's, yeah. and, and that's what it was all about. It's like, well, we're, as a family, we'll benefit when his career benefits. So we're going to go on that journey with him. And, um, and now it's just a little bit different. Like I said, I have a wife who's like, hey, I've got some entrepreneurial things. I want to, I want to grow this you know, she's got a couple ideas that she's really interested in. And I'm like, okay. And where does, where, you know, so if I just up and move to Detroit, you know, is that going to be helpful for her? Maybe not. Maybe it's good to be here, you know? So that's the other thing where I'm like, I guess I'm I'm more practical than I've ever been right now where I'm like, all right, cost of living, cheap here. Cool. Opportunity for fitness for Haley. Great. Cool. Kids have friends. Cool. That, so it's, it's, it's interesting where, there's now a lot more um, sort of variables in in any decision to be made, not just uh, like ooh that would that would make me just personally satisfied or bring more money because there's there is a trade off. Like okay, there's con- consistent money here, but that might mean a really bummer scenario for your kids, you know, or that might make something really hard here. So. And, and again, something I hadn't really felt until right now, because the last time we moved, my eldest daughter was in seventh grade. And now when, when you're in high school and things, you're just sort of like, I want to just do everything I can to just allow her to kind of have some consistency, uh, even though we're all online school right now. But eventually we won't be. And anyway, yeah, so it's, it's, totally. definitely, it's definitely a difference. Uh, decision-making process now. Yep. Ra- wrapping this up, because um, I want to be conscious of your time and thank you so much. We're kind of hitting that hitting that mark where you're like, hey, Greg, you know, shut the fuck up and I got to move on <laughs> to the next thing here. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, you've probably given some thought to this. I, I, I think maybe you've given some thought to this. Who or, or what brand or company like if you could pick the project or if you've seen a brand, you've seen a company, like who do you want to work with? You know, like who's, who's the ideal. If you could dream it up. Uh, if I could dream it up, it would be a, um, the parent at the parent company level. So, um, so for example, 
you know, if I, if, you know, your Kraft Heinz, your Unilever, your PepsiCo's, your Clorox, uh, you know, um, the brands that the, the companies that are like, we're this parent company and we have dozens and dozens of brands. That to me is a dream, A, because of the variety of, you know, as a creative person, it's hard to work on something you don't have passion about or, or it's easy to get bored. You're like, oh, I, I can only say so much about this one product. But that to me would be the dream. And, and it's, it's where I'm always, there's not a lot of them. Most of the agencies exist at the, at the product level. But to be able to go in and say, okay, we're going to build an, an in-house agency at the parent company level that will then satisfy all of the needs of all of the products um, within this parent, within this master brand. That to me is, and I've, you know, I've had many a cold email sent out like, Hey, have you ever thought about starting it here uh, with no luck so far? But that to me is, is really um, what I would love to find just because I think it satisfies everything. It'd be able to create that, the love, What's exciting about an ad agency is that variety. It's like uh, one moment I'm working on a brand over here and then I'm working on something over here and over here. And I've really been able to satisfy that. Um, but when you go to just one brand, it's kind of like, this is, you got to love it. This is all you're doing. And, and I would love to be able to build essentially what's great about an outside agency inside at the parent level, but there's just not... Um, I mean, I'm starting to sniff a little bit. I'm hearing of people thinking about doing it here and there, whether they'll consider me or not. I don't know, but that, that would be my dream. That's, that's where I'm pushing right now. Gotcha. Well, Steve, I really appreciate all of your time. Thank you so much for being on the pod today. Uh, it, it means a lot to me. Where do people find you? Um, get in touch with you, see what you're up to on Instagram. Like what's your, what's your vehicle? Yeah, I mean the reality is there's only two Steve Babcocks in the world according to Google. Uh there's there's me and then another guy who owns a karate studio. I'm not that guy, but uh I should be. Maybe maybe I will be, but by the time this podcast airs. But uh yeah, just, just literally just Google me. Um my handle is Steve Happens on Instagram, but all of that pulls up on Google. So just Steve Babcock and uh, you'll get more than you want, uh, Adam, from uh, about me. <laughs> well, that's awesome. I really appreciate you taking the time. Great insight on pretty much every, uh, everything we covered today in, in, in there. And it's really uh, food for thought in a lot of areas. Best of luck with everything you're doing with Made in House. Congratulations on the move back to Colorado. Everything sounds like it's, it's working. And I just, uh, I'm, I'm grateful you gave me the time. So thanks, man. No, thank you. It was a lot of fun. And uh, I look forward to doing it again. You got it. Guys, if you like what you hear, please give us that five-star review. Please tell your friends, your family, everybody you know. Help keep the Midlife Mail movement growing. Steve Babcock, thanks again. Guys, I will see you next week. We're out.401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.